So a lot of you guys just kind of know me as, right, the beard guy, the guy that wears plaid, plays keys once in a while. Um, it's a lot more to me. This is pretty cool that I, I get a chance just to, you know, share about my life a little bit. And I think it's neat that I get to do that on a week that we're talking about missions. As a 14-year-old boy, uh, that was the first time that I was able to actually go overseas and be part of a missions trip, right? So anybody out there can't do it too young, you know, it, it's not true. Um, that was the very first time that I've ever given a sermon. You know, I, I remember um, I was out under this area where these palms were kind of overhead and it was just pouring rain. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what do I do? And they're like, share the gospel. Really? That's it? So there I was standing in the rain and a group of people gathered around and they're hungry. They, they, they had that desire. They want to know more about Jesus. And, and it was incredible. Um, later on in life, um, I was able to go and spend a year as a missionary in Honduras. And it's incredible. So missions, it, it's in here for me. It, it's part of who I am. Um, and I'll tell you, it's amazing. Anybody here ever been overseas or on a missions trip or, or anything like that? Look at that. That is awesome. That is so cool. There's another opportunity right this summer. We're going to Ghana, Africa. Um, and there will be more opportunities, you know, uh, to come. But it's interesting. So having been someone that lived in a foreign country, you can definitely say that what happens in a third country world country is not quite the same of uh, what we experience here, you know, in the United States. Um, and that's true in both a practical way and also true in a spiritual way. An example would be um, where I lived um, was right outside of the capital city of Tegucigalpa. Um, that is the capital of Honduras. And it's interesting because Tegucigalpa actually sits down a little bit in a valley, and it's surrounded by, uh, like, mountains all around it. So has anybody here ever flown into Tegucigalpa before? Yep, let's see a few, right? So you, you, can, you can verify this. Make, make sure this is legit. So when you fly in there, you're on, a, you're on a big plane, and depending on how the wind and everything is going, your approach can change. Uh, so my first time in, you know, you're in the plane, and you're getting ready to descend, and all of a sudden, the airplane just kind of takes a hard bank, right, like this. And you're looking out your window down the wing, and you're pretty sure you can touch the people that are up there, like, hanging their clothes out, you know, and like, whoa, are we supposed to be this close to the ground <laughs> right now? And uh, it comes in goes down, it hits the runway, and as soon as they hit the runway, they put the jets in reverse, right? So you're coming in, you hit it, and the reason they do that, it's a short runway, and planes have not quite stopped all the way before. So they hit, you hit reverse, you go, and all of a sudden, you stop, and everyone starts cheering, you know, because <laughs> you just landed the plane, you know, like, Wow, that's, that's a thing? I, I don't remember doing that, like in the U.S., being excited about, you know, landing. Um, another crazy, you know, thing when you talk about being on the mission field is where I lived was actually up on one of those uh, mountains. And I would come down into the city, you know, each day and then go to our outreach, which was out in the Valley of uh, Angels. And uh, we were building an orphanage, feeding center, medical center out there, spent time building houses, you know, for people that had nothing. It, it was incredible. And um, interesting, one day when I was going home, you know, it's not a straight road when you go up and down a mountain, right? It's back and forth and little, you know, at a time. And uh, so driving behind a car, you know, I come up on a car, and it's moving a little bit slower than the rest of the traffic. And here's a car driving the hood is up in the air, and the driver's <laughs> head out the window, you know, driving the car, right? You know, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy what you see there. Like, 
okay, in my mind, I'm like, well, why doesn't, why don't they pull over, right? You can put the hood down and then you'll be able to see, right? So uh, as you learn after you're there for a while, you have to take your opportunities to pass people on the sides of these mountains. So sure enough, you know, I'm like, all right, let me get, let me get ahead of this person. So I move out and I pass. And as I'm passing, I look over at the vehicle and inside the hood is someone working on the car. <laughs> so they can't have the hood down, right? Because it would be smashing that person, right? <laughs> and, you pay, and you're like, oh my goodness. Things that you don't necessarily see here in the U.S., right? That's, that's in a physical sense. But there's also things that you experience when you're talking about missions in a spiritual sense that in the same way, that kind of blew my mind. It's incredible because people and their faith and their hunger for the things of God is incredible. It's like they don't have the things in their lives that can sometimes be a distraction, but that's the focus. When, when you're there talking about Jesus, that's all they want. There is nothing else going on in their lives. You've seen it with healings, and you hear miracles, people raised from the dead because people's faith is just incredible. They expect, if, if you say God loves them, they believe God loves you. Jesus can heal you, they absolutely believe that. So it's incredible what is happening on the mission field. And, and something to remember too, as we give, you know, we hear these stories, we, we hear about these outreaches, um, you know, crusades, all these things that are happening with our missionaries. We have to remember too, there's more than just that need. You know, when we give and we support, we're helping those events, uh, but we're also helping with their kids or clothes that they need and deodorant and toothbrushes and electricity for their house and gas for their car. You know, so it's very practical things when we give and we support the missions. So thank you for what you're doing in giving and uh, trust that God will leave you, uh, lead you as we continue to support our missionaries. I'm going to go ahead and um, get right into what I believe God is, uh, wants to share with us today. Uh, can we just take a minute and pray? Thank you, Lord. We love you. I love you, Jesus. God, I pray, even now, Lord, we know you're here. Your, your presence is here. You've already done incredible things. Thank you for that, Lord. I just pray you continue to do those things in us, Lord. Help our hearts to be active and unified with yours, Lord. We pray that the distractions go away today. And God, I pray for me. I pray that it's not uh, just words that I'm reading, Lord, but I pray, I just want to empty myself right now, Lord. My thoughts, my ideas, what I think should happen. Holy Spirit, just come fill me. God, fill me. Let your words go out today. We want you we want your heart. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do in this place. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 So I really am excited. I, I really am excited about what's, what's happening today. Um, my first opportunity to be able to share with you guys uh, since I've been here. And for those of you that know me, some of you may not know me at all. I'm kind of like, I, I'm this guy, right? I'm just kind of... I'm there. I'm not up and down and kind of like, you know, emotional. Or you guys ever see uh, the poster or the T-shirt with the stormtroopers on it? It'll show like nine stormtroopers. And it says like happy, angry, sad, scared. But it's all the same face, right? Because it's just the stormtrooper mask, right? Anybody following me out there, right? Yeah, okay, all right. So that's kind of what you get unfortunately, when you have me, you know, I'm just kind of like, this is my super happy face. You know, this is my I'm scared face. I don't know what I'm doing face, you know, right here. This, this is my, I had to pick my son up at the church at 1.15 a.m. in the morning face, getting back from uh, Rock the Universe yesterday. Um, but it does change a little bit. When I have the opportunity to share Jesus something happens inside of me, right? And my 
I have a little more expression, you know, and I can't wait. I really honestly believe that this is the type of message where um, husbands and wives were not going to be elbowing each other saying, oh, are you listening? This, did you hear him? This is for you today, right? This is for every single one of us. And I believe that uh, we're at a unique place as a church. Um, God is doing incredible things. Um, we've heard the testimonies of healings that have been taking place. Um, and, and, and God is taking us out of a season and launching us into something new. And I believe that what we're going to learn today is a vital part of what God's going to be doing here over the next year. Amen? All right. So with that said, the uh, sermon today is called All Things New. And I want to keep it simple, right? I'm a simple guy. I'm, I'm down to earth, rubber meets the road type of thing. And, uh, but I want to ask you a question. How many of you would like me to tell you what God's will is for your life? Yeah. All right, there's about 10 of us in here, right? Yeah? I mean, I'm telling you, we're just basic. All we got to do is figure out God's will, right? And we're good. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. You're going to get it anyways. <laughs> Romans 8.29 says this. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. There it is. God's will is for us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. We need to be like Jesus, right? All right, in closing, I think we got it covered. We learned everything we need to today, right? <laughs> Isn't that good? All right, all right. I'm, watch, I'm watching your face because now you're like, oh, sure. Well, that's easy. We just got to be like Jesus, right? So, so we have to walk on water. We have to heal people, uh, do all this stuff, right? Okay, all right. Let's, let's talk through this because this is something that his desire is, you know, for us to do. But we hear this thing like, how are we going to be like Jesus? Uh, I, I can't do that. Forget it. Let me ask you another question. How would you like for me to tell you what Jesus wants to do in your life? Yes. All right. That's good. That's good. You know, I said this earlier too. You guys can go ahead, feedback, if, you know, right on, you know, if, if it's the other spectrum. And I guess you can keep that to yourself, but, but <laughs> don't be afraid to talk. You know, uh, when I'm up here, I kind of feel like I'm sitting across the table and we're having a cup of coffee. You know, and we're just talking and we're, we're learning. And, and uh, so feel free, you know, to give feedback. Jesus wants to do this in our life. Revelation 21.5, And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Right? Okay. So God's will for our life is to be like Jesus. And what is Jesus doing in us? He's making all things new. Now, we've just come out of a season of fasting. And I believe that fasting is one of those things. It's for the purpose of allowing Jesus to create something new in us. Some people may say, well, Todd, I pray. I'm good, right? I don't really need to do anything else. You know, I communicate with, with God. I talk to him. But I, I believe this is a profound statement. And it's this. When we pray, we approach God's throne. And when we fast, it keeps us there. See, sometimes I think we're kind of caught up in life a little bit. Like, man, I, I don't have time for this stuff. You know, I, I'm busy. And... and Prayer is vital. It is so important. We need to be communicating. I, you know, I always think of it as that open window to heaven. A, as we go throughout the day, we're constantly uh, in communion and communication and, and talking with God. But there's something said about when we say, okay, God, what you have for my life is more important than anything else. See, fasting isn't just about, all right, I'm not going to eat my cheeseburger at Checkers today, 
right? It's, it's about saying, instead of doing this, I'm designating that time and focusing just on what you have to say. It's in, incredible the testimonies that we've been, been getting. And please keep sharing them. Email them. Uh, write them down, sending them in. Um, let me ask you this. Are there people in here that could say that Jesus did something new for them during this time of fasting? Anyone? Hands? Hands? Look at that. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome? Do you guys mind, and, and feel free if you don't want to, hands. Can you tell me in like one sentence or two sentences what, what God did? You know, whether it's he healed me, he gave me provision. Anybody willing to do that? Go, go ahead. A break? Awesome. Awesome. Speaking. Who else? Who, who raised their hands over here? Oh, now nobody raised their hands, of course. Yes. <laughs> and anybody, go ahead. What, what, did, what did God do? Go ahead. In, in the back, yeah. I, I'm sorry? A deeper walk. A deeper walk with him, okay? Who else? Yes. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I, I so that came back in where a lot of times that doesn't even happen. You're, you're able to receive that. That's awesome. Awesome. Who else? Anyone? Go ahead. He healed your sight. Yes. Isn't that incredible? Anyone else? Who, who else over here? Yes. Uh-huh. And we got down to our, we bought a little trailer last year, so it was going to be wonderful. And when we got there, one roof uh, ceiling was down, uh, the bathroom full bowl, this full bowl, that full bowl. We're Yankees, we don't know nothing about money. <laughs> <laughs> we got really scared, and I called a guy with a roof, that put a new roof on this thing. He said, contact your insurance. I said, it ain't going to be covered. I said, we weren't even here. I got mm-hmm. a policy, it won't cover it because it's empty, you know, it's welding. Well, next thing you know, we got a check. Cover it. The provision. That's awesome. Isn't that incredible? Sight, restoration, uh, provision, deliverance, all these things. One more. One more. Heal the health issue. Isn't that incredible? See, there's something about, and I believe we're going from the season of fast into a, a new season. But when we take that time and we focus on God and we just don't say, okay, God, do this and walk away, but we seek him, he does something new. Fasting is a season of something new. Some of you may be sitting there going, where's, where's mine? Right? I'm waiting. And if I can do anything just to encourage you to say, just keep plugging away at it. God's not say, okay, 14 days, yep, I'm done. Day 15, day 20, day 30, day 50. Keep pressing in. Set those things aside and focus on God so you're opening yourself to receive that new thing that he wants to do. A couple of things that I, that I felt about this season of prayer is that fasting prepares us for what lies ahead in our lives. You know, a lot of times our focus is on, this is what I'm dealing with right now. But when we spend that time with Jesus and and we're open and receiving, he's also preparing us for the things that we don't see. It's that time that we identify who we are. We're in peace that prepares us for what's coming ahead. Fasting humbles us, brings us to our knees. Anybody here say, man, I can, food? What? Give Give up one meal, right? Oh, I'm the only one that fell that way? Yeah, so it, it humbles us, especially when you're driving through the middle of town, right? And you see all those places, you know, to eat, or your friends are talking about certain things, and you're like, yeah, I'd love to stop by Outback and grab a steak or some French onion soup. It humbles us. It makes us realize that we don't have to do all those things in our own ability, but when we submit ourselves and we say, God, 
I need your help in this. That's what we receive because we're open and we're asking. Fasting causes us to specifically rely on God. And it opens our spirit to hear from him. Again, please just stay in there. Press through. I believe that God is doing something unique uh, that I've never been a part of, and, and I'm excited. So just stay at it, believing God for the miracles that are coming. The secret to this is found in Luke 9.23. It's a, a passage that we're very familiar with. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. It's not enough that we just say, okay, God, I need it. You know, I want what you have. I'm going to be sitting here at home, sitting right in my seat, waiting for you. When you're ready to stop by my house, I'll be here. For me, it'd probably be in my recliner with my feet up. But that's not how this works. See, we have to go after the things of God. It's not just enough to say, I want this. But we have to put action behind this. Think of the woman, uh, the woman with the issue of blood, right? As Jesus is passing by and there's the crowd around. Can you imagine what would, the, what would it say if she just stood on the outside and said, oh, Jesus is way over there. And all right, I'll come back when it's a, a better time. No, she knew that she had to have what Jesus had. She was desperate. She would do anything She got out of what's normal for her and pressed through and pushed through that crowd so she could receive the touch that Jesus had for her. What about when they they lowered the man through the roof of the ceiling? Can you imagine that? You know, if if all of a sudden these tiles started getting, you know, pushed to the side and you're dropping people, they're desperate. They said, whatever it takes, I want what Jesus has for me. I will do whatever I have to do to go after to have more of Jesus in my life. Amen? Amen. We can't just sit back and say, okay, God, whenever. We have to be active and go after the things of God. You know, I I asked this question earlier in the first service. Um, So if you were there, I'm going to ask you not to shout out your answers, right? But... um, this is something, you know, I want to ask you guys. $20 bill, right? It's kind of it's just a piece of paper. But it has some value to it, right? There's, there's things, you know, you can do. Um, who in here would, would want to have a, a $20 bill? Who would like a $20 bill? One, two, three, four... Whoa, okay, there we go. There's the hands. All right, don't worry. I'm not going to call on anybody else, so don't be afraid. To... Who here would like a $20 bill, right? Sure. There's value to it. You, you, can, you can do things with it. You can purchase. That might be um, a meal for two of you. Um, it, it could be some groceries, you know, for you. Um, it could be uh, almost fill... The tank, right? Or for those of us with trucks, give us a quarter of a tank, right? <laughs> so uh, there's value in it, right? All right I want to I see who's going to participate again. Let me see your hands. Who wants a $20 bill? Everybody, right? Because you understand the value of it. it. It's not just, hey, that's just a piece of paper, right? There's, there's value. So everyone's like, me. I'm the one who wants the $20 bill. I, uh, I like the $20 bill. You know, I'd like to have it. But it's interesting when we ask this question. Now, who wants the $20 bill? Okay. You guys are getting tired, aren't you, with the hands and up and down, and, right? It's something we all want. Right? I, I saw every hand in here. Mm-hmm. $20. Who wants the $20 bill? Okay. 
I pray that that's not just a gimmick, but we really understand the proof of our desire of what we want in our lives is in the pursuit of it. It's not enough just to say, I want it. I want that $20 bill, right? Everybody wants the $20 bill. But something happened when Carol said, all right. Well, he asked me five, six times. I'm going to go get it. So, so that went from I want it to I'm going after it. How many of us want to know God's will? All of our hands. How many of us want to be conformed into the image of Jesus? How many of us want all new things? All of our hands. But what are we doing in activation and the action we put behind it to say it's not just enough to want something? I need that in my life. And I believe that's what God is saying to us today. That we're coming out of a season and we're saying, God, I don't want to just be waving my hands. I want to be up and out of my seat and putting action to the things that you're putting on my heart. Going after God's best, his will, his desires, his passion. Fervently going after the things of God in our lives. Amen? Amen. Now, in the Old Testament, we see a picture, I think, that is similar to what we see in our world today. Uh, Israel was kind of in a bad place and deserved almost God's wrath and destruction, you know. Um, But God gave a promise In Ezekiel 36, verses 26 through 27, it says this, I give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's that's God-willed, not self-willed. I will put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you and live by my commands. In Jeremiah, God said this to Israel, says, This is the brand new covenant that I will make with Israel when the time comes. I will put my law within them and write it on their hearts. There's three things that I want to focus on today that I believe that God wants to do something new in us. The first one, is he wants to give us a new heart. This is a new passion, a desire. You can't legislate good behavior. You know what I mean by that? You, you can't just tell somebody, well, this is how you have to be, right? There was, has anyone in here ever either had a kid or been a kid? <laughs> good, this is good. Full participation, I like this. All right, so... Mother takes a little son to uh, the doctor's office. And, and what happens? You know, you try to get the kid to sit still. You don't want people to see. So uh, little Johnny gets up, running all over the place. Mother says, Johnny, sit down. Like, sit down now, right? And Johnny just kind of looks, keeps running around, acting crazy, you know. Mom says, Johnny, sit down. Sit, sit in your seat right now. Johnny, sit down. Can you guys relate to this, right? And uh, keeps running around. Johnny, you sit down right now or I will give you a spanking. Ooh, Johnny stopped. And reluctantly, he went over to the seat next to his mom. He sat down. And he folded his arms up. And he said to his mom, he said, well, mom, I may be sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing up. <laughs> you can't tell someone, this is what you have to do. 
this is how you have to be. It has to come from inside. It's a matter of the heart. The problem today with our country, the world, is that people have heart disease and they need a new heart. They need a heart transplant. And if you think about that, you can't have a heart transplant. If, you know, if someone says, you know, 75% of your heart is dealing with this, it has disease. So if you're a recipient of a transplant, you don't say to the doctor, say, okay, this 25% right here, let's leave that alone. Uh, I'm good with that. Let's keep that in there and then put the new heart next to it. Right? I want to keep this part here. This is good. I'm good. Don't need to mess with it. When we go through a heart transplant, you get rid of the whole thing. And actually, in that process, if you think about it, you're, you're on machines. You're in this process. Without those machines, when your heart goes, you're, you actually die. In order to receive that new heart that God wants to put in us, we have to die to our own things. But when we do that, we receive God's heart. Now, when we're born again, we receive a new heart in that seed, that embryonic form that grows within us. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. He is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, heart in the biblical way of of thinking, it's not this place of love, romance, you know, tenderness. And in the first service, Maria, you know, was sitting here and and I have that that love for her, you know, the romance, that, that feeling. That's not what we're talking about when we need that heart transplant. It's one's seat. It's the seat of one's moral being and character. It's the place of our passions, of our desires, of our affections. And how many of us can say when when we look at what we're passionate about and and what drives us, is is it money? Is it things? What motivates us? What gets us up in the morning and gets us moving and says, I have to do that? That's what we're talking about in our heart. It's the passion. It's the desires that we have. You know, um, Maria and the kids and I, we came back here about two and a half years ago. I love it. I absolutely love it. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Love you guys. I, I was saying how up here it kind of feels like, uh, you know, we're, we're family. And remember, you guys ever have those, all right, family meeting, right? Everybody in the living room, right? <laughs> that's that's how, I, how I feel about us. You know, we're, we're family here. And it's incredible. I love being with you guys. God did something really interesting in, in me when I first came back. Um came back, I was working a construction job, um, you know, 40, 50 hours a week on call, taking calls every single night. There was weeks where you're on call for 24 hours a day, so if something happens at 3 a.m., you know, you're, you're responsible for that. And while being in the middle of that, it started to almost feel like it consumed me. Um, and I'm not saying, obviously, we have to work, right? Everybody understands that? <laughs> That's an important part. But I, I found something happening with me. I was uh, in this area here, worship one morning. And I, I know God said to me, give me your heart. So I had this vision of, yeah, let's do this. this is all, you know, and I look and I, like I'm presenting my heart to the Lord. And I looked. Something was wrong. My heart was bruised. It was scarred, and it it looked sick. All of a sudden, I found myself going, okay, all right, let me just take that back. Uh, 
because I started to believe a lie that God wouldn't accept my heart in that condition. For a couple of weeks, I would find myself coming to church and saying, God, give me your heart. Give me your heart. And I go, man, God, I can't use a heart like that. It's broken. You know? But it got to the point where I said, Jesus, I, I want you more than anything. I, there's, there's a little bit of it that's, you know, that, that's good. And I presented it to him. And instantly, I felt this calming and this peace. Like, and he gave me a new heart. Now, at no point in that did I stop loving my kids. Did I stop loving my wife? That's not what it was about. But I found myself from my focus now being on my work, my passion and my desires changed from that to people. And it, it, it's incredible. So if anyone here is saying, God can't use my heart in this condition, he can. And he wants us to give him the whole thing. Secondly, I believe God wants to put a new spirit within us. This is a motivational power. How many of us look at Christ when we say that before, you know, to be like Christ and say, I can't do that on my own? Do, is that what we say? Is that our reaction? Good. We can't. <laughs> That's not, we're not supposed to, in our mind, think, all right, this is my ability. This is what I can do. I just got to be like Jesus. We need help. God has given us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to empower us so we can become more like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit gives us this energy or the ability to fulfill the will of God in our lives. It empowers us to be more Christ-like. There was a teacher that had some free times with elementary age kids. And so she told the kids, go ahead, grab a sheet of paper and go ahead and draw something. You know, so she's walking around. Kids got their crayons out and their pencils and everything. So they started drawing. She comes up on this one little girl, kind of looking over her shoulder and says, well, what are you drawing over there? And the little girl responded and said, oh, I'm drawing God. And the teacher kind of chuckled a little bit like, well, you can't really do that because no one knows what God looks like. And the girl responded back and said, well, they will when I'm done. (laughs) Who is it that the world needs to see? They need to see Jesus. How do they see it? Through us. That's what God looks like. When you're getting ready in the morning, you can look in the mirror. Jesus, use me today. May I be the reflection of you. How do I do that? Because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit in our lives to set aside us thinking we have to be like Jesus and just living it out through his spirit. Amen? Amen. Romans 8.11 says this. It stands to reason, uh, this is in the message. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, He'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. And when God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. God created us to have his spirit, to walk in his spirit, and to be like Jesus. Anybody here uh, buy a refrigerator in the last couple of years? New refrigerator, right? Have you seen what they can do now? It's crazy, isn't it? You can watch TV on your refrigerator. I'm sure, can you imagine that? Your kids open up the refrigerator and look, hey, we have to tell them already to keep the door closed, right? You can, um, if you're at the grocery store and you're like, oh, do I need eggs? Do I need milk? You can pull out your phone and look inside of your refrigerator because it's hooked up to the Wi-Fi, right? There's crazy things. They also keep food cold. Uh, like that's a, that's a good thing to have. So people design these refrigerators, and, and they create it in a certain way. 
So you, we can buy a new refrigerator with all the bells and whistles, get it home, put the food in there, take the freezer, open it up, pack all the food in there, you know, close it. You come back in the morning, you open it up, and it's warm. And all the stuff in the freezer melted, right? You know why that would happen? Yeah, you never plugged it in. Right? So the people design the refrigerator, you know, they make it a certain way, but they know you have to have that outside source for the refrigerator to function the way that it's supposed to function. It's the same with us. When we're walking in our everyday lives, we have to realize we need to be plugged in, have the Holy Spirit in our lives for us to function the way God created us to function. He wants that new spirit within us. The third thing, we have a new covenant. This isn't a new ability for authentic relationship. In the Old Testament, people had a relationship with God through law. And for them, it was, I must or I have to do this. That was the law rather than this is what I want to do. This is my desire. I think today too many people in the church, they had this false security in what they know rather than who they know. And we can have that authentic relationship with God through his son, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19 says this in the message. Now we look on the inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone and a new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. That new covenant, that allows us to have Jesus. We don't have to follow the law. Jesus paid that price for us by dying on the cross. Those are three things that I really want us to focus on. A new covenant, a new heart, and a new spirit. Just like we saw today, it's not enough that we just say, all right, cool, all right, that's what we're going to do, and we walk out the same. But I want to share with you how we activate that in our lives. We need to apply this to our lives. That new covenant, the relationship with God. In Mark 15 and Luke 23, uh, we hear in both of those, after Jesus breathed his last breath, dying on the cross for us, the veil was torn in two. Because of what Jesus did for us, we now have access to God. We can go to the throne room. We have Jesus with us. We have the Holy Spirit with us. We now have access. How do we receive that? John 1.12, But as many received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those believe in his name who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Romans 10.9, That if you confess your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The result, Jesus gave his life for us. That's the new covenant that we have. Mark 12, 30. Jesus is quoting earlier scripture in Deuteronomy. It says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. And a lot of people stop there. There it is, the second one, Mark 12, 31. The second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are no other greater commandments than these. How do we get that new covenant? That's what Jesus wants for every single one of us. We receive Jesus into our hearts where, where we become born again and live our lives for him. How do we get that new spirit? How do we receive the Holy Spirit? It's interesting when um, Pastor Otta said that he was praying for fire, for the Holy Spirit just to come in here and move. 
Acts 2, 38. Then Peter said to them, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what do we have to do to receive the Holy Spirit? It's a gift. We just have to receive it. We don't have to position ourselves. As long as I do this, 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 and this, then we can have the, the Holy Spirit. We just have to receive. It, it's interesting how uh, I'm, not a, uh, I'm not a real dreamer person, a vision person, but, but I had an interesting dream uh, this last Thursday. I think it was on Thursday. I got up at 4 a.m., and some of you guys are probably like, oh, you slept in that day, huh? Good. 4 a.m. is early for me. <laughs> so I, and I went back to sleep, and I had a very clear dream. It's interesting. What's it say? Uh, uh, young men will have visions, right? Old men dream dreams. So I am in that old man category. <laughs> and, and the dream was this. You guys were all in it. And, and, and it's interesting because... I was in this line near the front, and um, Pastor Mike Rarick, you know, was in there. And, and at first, it looked like we were all lined up, you know, for something. And you guys ever see, like, those, uh, uh, you go get your feet done, your pedicures or whatever, and, like, the little tub, like, of water, you know, there? And I'm kind of looking up the line, you know, and, and there's this, this little tub, and everyone's going in. And they're, they're being baptized, it's interesting. As we got closer, you know, I kind of see, oh, it's a little bit bigger. And I, I absolutely believe that what God has been doing over the last 10, 15 years is a preparation for what is about to happen. And it involves every single one of us. You know, just as it said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptized. Receive the Holy Spirit. I believe that there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this place something like we've never seen before. And that involves all of us. It's not just 10 or 15 people. But I believe in that vision, you know, as we've prepared ourselves for this moment in, in Calvary Church history, there's going to be an incredible outpouring of a spirit. So what do we need to do to receive that outpouring? We receive it. It's a gift. We open ourselves Acts 2, and Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came suddenly. Um, I, I won't go through and, and read all that. Acts 2, 1, 4, if you want to read it. Acts 8, um, Peter and John were sent to Samaria. They laid hands on them. They received the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, Peter went to the house of Cornelius. And while he was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who, who heard. There's, there's different ways. We just need to say, Holy Spirit, Come. We want you. The proof of this is we're not just going to sit back. We're going to get out of our seat and go after the things that God is calling us to do. How do we receive that new heart? It's, it's incredible. There's so many scriptures in the Bible about our heart. One of my favorites, Matthew 5.8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How do we get a pure heart? We have to receive that from God. In Ezekiel, we read at the beginning, give you a new heart, a new spirit. God's desire is to put that within us. John 3.16, we all know that together, right? Let's go ahead and say that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's incredible. Jesus died for the world. I want to do something a little bit different, okay? Instead of saying the world, I want you to go ahead and plug your name in there, okay? Your own personal name. Let's say that again together. For God so loved Todd that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. How does that make you feel? It's pretty awesome, isn't it? 
God, the creator of the universe, God that put the stars in the heavens, that makes sure that the earth turns the way that it's supposed to, he died for me. He died for you. That's how much he loves us. He sent his son to die on the cross for us. Let's do that again. Think of someone you love, your spouse, your children, a parent. For God so loved the world. I'm sorry. For God so loved Maria that he gave his only begotten son. Does that make you feel the same way, doesn't it? Isn't it incredible? That's his heart. That's, that's how much he loves us. I think this is kind of an important exercise. Do something a little bit different. How about our neighbor? No, 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 no. Not that one. Not the friendly one that waves every day. I'm talking about the other neighbor. For God so loved my neighbor that he gave Jesus. That's how much God loves my neighbor. Do I have God's heart? Do I love my neighbor? How about that coworker? How about the guy that uh, sped up and, and cut around you today on, on the way to church? God so loved the guy in the black pickup. <sighs> Right? How about, for God so loved the people that have a different political view than me? <laughs> so, how's our heart? Is our response to that the same when we said, for God so loved Todd? For God so loved Maria? Because that's his heart for those people. Do we need that heart transplant? Have we really given it all to him? For God so loved the Buddhist in Asia. For God so loved the Muslim in the Middle East. For God so loved the atheist in Europe. He gave Jesus to die for them. What does that do in our heart? Can we say, God, my heart, I am in tune, I am connected with yours because the way you are moved for those people, whether it's our neighbor, uh, our in-laws, or someone on the other end of the earth, do we understand God's love for them? Maybe we need to have Jesus put that new heart in us. It was interesting how last week we had our business meeting and um, part of that was to share our goals for the new year. <laughs> I got up and I did my report, just kind of threw stuff out there and I completely forgot to give my goals. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I'll get an opportunity, you know, maybe to share those. And God said, yeah, I want you to share that this morning. Because I, I was challenged. You know, it's easy to look at, okay, we have this many life groups, so we're going to add a couple more. We have this many ushers, so we're going to double it. And that's the goal. And, but those are all things that I believe we have experience and knowledge that we can do all that stuff in our own ability. But God's really challenging me with this next year. And he said, well, what are you doing that's going to involve me? Because sometimes we look at our next year, I'm going to do this and this and this. And we can do that in our own strength and our own abilities. So one of the things that I have for a goal for the year is that every single person that attends Calvary is somehow connected and involved outside of the hour and a half that we meet on a Sunday morning. 
It might be ministering to kids. It might be starting a life group. It might be wait till you hear what's going to be happening this year with the kids and the outreaches and going out. Now, people that are in the business of church would say, you're crazy. That'll never happen. People don't get involved. But I believe that God is doing something unique in this place. That's nothing I can do. I can't encourage everyone to, to be able to do that. But if we submit ourselves to God and say, God, align me with your heart. I want to see lives changed. It could be a smile when someone's coming in. It could be watching a two-year-old so that a parent can be in here and getting ministered to. It could be driving vans for the youth so we don't have to stack 37 of them in at once, (laughs) which we don't, by the way. (laughs) But going beyond ourselves, saying, God, this isn't in my own strength and my own ability. Because when we connect with God's heart, we have to get up. The pursuit, that proof of desire is in the pursuit. I'm going to close with this today. I believe that God has given everyone in here a dream. A God-given dream. And I think a lot of us have looked at that dream and we've said, yeah, I'm kind of past that point because of where we are in life. Some of you are saying, I'm too old. I'm, I'm, I'm retired. That was something 30 years ago. You know, some are saying, I'm only 12 years old. I'm 14 years old. Now that's, that's for way, way down, you know, in the future. Some of you are saying, I, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. Todd, I work 50 hours a week. I have to come home. I have to mow the lawn. I have all these things. I just don't have time for that. But I believe that God is stirring something up within every single one of us here today. And I don't know what that is. Only you do. I want to encourage you to write that down somewhere. Put it in your car. Put it, put it in the mirror. The proof of our desire of what's in our hearts is in that pursuit. We're going to go after those things this year. Just as God challenged me to say, I want to be involved with all the stuff that you're doing. Don't do it on your own. I believe that as we step out in faith, that God is going to begin that process, restore that process. I think some people in here today will be called to the mission field. I really do. Some of you are going, okay, I'm not doing it anymore, right? Some of you are called just to check on your neighbor, say hi. Some of you are, are, are called to be involved with what's going on in the, in the forest. But I believe today is pivotal. We have been praying and praying and praying for the harvest, right? What does it say? Lord, send forth laborers because the harvest is ready. People are hungry. They just need the laborers. Guess what, guys? We're the laborers. If we just simply say, God, use me in whatever way you want to, small things, little things, can you imagine what we can do, 200 people in this room, and the effect that we can have? And it's not about statistics and who does this and who does that, but it's about the heart of God, the heart of God for people. As we go into missions week, I pray that we are just simply open to say, God, stir that within me. God, you're calling me to go to Africa? I can't do it on my own, but you're calling me. God, you want me to invite people into my home to have a group and to minister? I can't do that on my own, but you're calling me. Will we respond to God's voice and his heart for people today. Let's pray. Jesus. Lord, you're doing something 
incredible today. I believe you're restoring dreams. God, help us to get out of our own way, Lord, and just say, God, you do those things you want to do in us. We recognize that need for that new covenant. Jesus, thank you for dying for us.